From Buck Studio at Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Zorba Pastor on your health. I'm Carl Christensen, filling in for Tom Clark, and I'm here with family doc Zorba Pastor. We'll spend the next hour with you in our virtual doctor's office. <laughs> Although, Zorba, we're actually missing that, that huge roll of butcher paper that you put over <laughs> the right. exam table. Right, you've got it. Where do they get right. that stuff, by That's the way? right. From the butchers. From the butchers. butchers the butchers come right. in and deliver that they stuff? They come in and deliver the paper. That's right. The butcher paper. <laughs> do they provide the knives and yeah, the scalpels, right. the too? Thing. They've okay. got the whole thing. That's well, right. <laughs> They we're missing along that. with the Iceman. Oh, the- they come in too. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk healthy living. We'll walk you through a healthy recipe. We'll get to some of your emails and a few of your phone calls as well. So if you have a question for the good doc, the number to call anytime is 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. Along with those calls, Zorba, we have a couple topics to talk about today. Yes, we're going to talk about walking. So there's a new study that shows that walking close to 10,000 steps a day may actually be something that cuts your risk of dementia Hmm. by up to 50%. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about where these numbers come and whether or not this research really shows something. And then WHO now warns against artificial sweeteners for weight loss, new guidance. For years, I've said there's sort of no no harm, no foul, but uh, this new WHO study is making me think maybe I was wrong and we should visit that for anyone who eats artificial sweeteners and drinks diet soda or zero, you know, zero calorie Coke, things like that. That's a lot of us for sure. And what's our special recipe today? Spicy, honey, cornflake, baked chicken. Ooh. Try to say that backwards. Ooh. Chicken, baked, cornflake, honey, spicy. Anyway, okay. it's Sounds a new way. way. <laughs> it's a new way to make chicken, but actually it's not a new way. It's sort of the way my mom would make it back in the 50s. So it's a retro recipe mm. that may remind you of what it was like when you had cornflakes in the 50s and thought the cornflakes were the health food of the century. <laughs> Sounds that's great. That's what Kellogg invent. That's why he invented it. Okay, I'd eat that. All right, to the phones we go at 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, we welcome our first caller now, a listener in Republic, Washington. Hi. Uh, hi, how are you doing? Very good. Very thanks. good. How can we help? So I'm a 60-year-old woman, and I recently had my blood test done, just my, you know, annual. Mm-hmm. And um, I come from a family of heart disease. A family of heart disease. The heart yes, disease congest- family. Got it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. Congestive heart failure. Congestive very- heart failure. Got it. Right. right. Got it. It's right. It's it- right on your insignia, the family insignia, you know, congestive heart failure. <laughs> exactly. Something like and that. Irish. You know. And Irish, got it. And cry a lot, very emotional. And, um... I'm trying to picture the plaque that what it, what it would look like, but I've got it in my got it in my brain. But you've got a family history of heart disease and heart failure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I'm fit. I got a low pulse rate, and you know I do like to have a couple drinks with dinner. Sure. So sure. I came back with, which has been kind of normal, but it's higher than normal, is a very high cholesterol, just total cholesterol. Yeah. How high was it? What was the number? 257. Uh, And what about the HDL and LDL, the good cholesterol and the bad cholesterol? Okay. The HDL was 79. Very good. Wonderful. Nope. Mm Mm-hmm. LDL was 161. 161. Okay. Well, that's a pretty good number. And the ratio was 3.3. Right. Uh, A a couple of things here, by the way. Do you smoke cigarettes? So my question was... Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, my uh, I live in a small town, so they just said statins, mm-hmm. and I'm, statins are making me nervous. Sure, a and lot of people get know, a lot of people get okay. nervous with that. Yeah, what okay. they do. But and but so, a couple of, but a couple of questions here. Do you smoke okay. cigarettes? Oh, you know, I worked on ships a lot, so mm-hmm. you know, not a lot, but just one on the you know the deck, looking out at the ocean every once in a while. Every once in a while, but not on a regular, yeah. not on a daily basis. You don't no. smoke a pack or half a pack a day. What no. do you do for exercise? No. Oh, I hike up hills. I run. I ski. Okay, okay. So you, so you, you know, so you exercise and so. And then you have a couple, of, one or two drinks a night. Is that what you were saying before? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's my downfall. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, maybe. So, so here's the issue. You, number one, you've got a family history. So we we put you in this calculator, the risk calculator, uh, which really comes from the Framingham Heart Study. There's nothing in there for family history, but family history really, really. Counts a lot. You've got an elevated cholesterol. When we do the analysis, your HDL cholesterol is really nice and high at se- at one seven. You know, at seventy nine. That is a really, really good number. That's a protective cholesterol. But your LDL, your bad cholesterol, is one sixty one, which really begins to get up there at about one seventy is sort of the threshold. But but these numbers are are really not exact. So you've got a couple of options here. First of all, statins may be good, but you want to really decide whether or not you need a statin or not. So one of the things I tell people is, hey, let's get another number. Why don't you come back in three to six months? There's no rush here. Why don't you really do well with your diet? Continue with your exercise. Let's see what part of this is diet-related. All of a sudden, if your LDL cholesterol goes down like in the 120 range or 130 range, you'll know it's diet and exercise is really a way to control it. But if it stays up there, statin really is something to consider because of your family family history. You want to see if lifestyle can really make a difference. And so that's where you want to do everything you can, be just really as good as you can, then repeat the numbers. If they're high like this, I would go on a statin. I would recommend it. Okay. I'm very much pro-statin because the data shows we dropped premature heart attack by 70%, 60 to 70% based on how you measure it, measure it in people with a history such as yours with a strong family history of heart disease. Okay. Well, I so appreciate you and your show, and thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for your call. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. is the number to call anytime. That's 800-462-7413. All right, before we move on here, let's get to the first topic. We're talking about walking now, some new research on walking and dementia risk. Oh, we're going to talk about, you know, how many steps a day is really going to help you and what does it mean? So the initial idea of 10,000 steps a day actually came from a Japanese man who invented the pedometer. And we're Hmm. talking about something that happened decades ago. 10,000 was a lucky number in Japan and Japanese at that time. So they said you should do 10,000. There really was nothing totally based on that. So then the questions have come up. When do we begin to get fitness? In other words, and there's the nurse's health study that seemed to show that you really get a lot of fitness once you get about 4,000 steps a day. By the way, do, have you ever kept track of how many steps a day you get? I've never tried. I've never used You've a pedometer or an app. No, I've never done it. You don't it. have like a Fitbit or anything like that? I, I've never Is done that, Is that because no. you have young children and you're I, chasing them around I feel the like, yes. You probably <laughs> get your 10,000 yeah. steps. How about you, Brad? Have you ever had a Fitbit or anything like that? I have an Apple Watch. An Apple Watch. How many steps? You ever look at how many steps a day you get? 
I do. I've gotten pretty uh, obsessed with it, actually. Obs- <laughs> obsessed <laughs> with how many OCD? Right, how many? Oh, a lot. All right. So how many steps a day do you average? Uh, between running and walking, like uh, around 20,000. 20,000 steps a day. Wow. That's unbelievable. You know what? Look at the big can, steps on you know, Brad. I'll tell you something. You can give steps to other people. You know, you can gift steps. That's what you have to do. You have to gift steps. Yeah, it's like crypto. <laughs> it's like crypto. That's right. That's right. And it'll crash like tri- uh, crypto. Uh-oh. But but getting back to, getting back to this, because I find that I generally – it's interesting. If I'm working in my office – I often get about 10,000 steps a day because I also have a desk downstairs in my office and I'm going up and down the desk right. in my office. And at home, sometimes I only get four or 5,000 steps a day. But this is an article, JAMA Neurology, Evidence of Whether or Not Steps Cut Down in Dementia. It's an observational study. It's a study that is out of the University of Sydney in Australia and the University of Southern Denmark. And they've studied roughly 8,000 adults aged 40 to 79 who were enrolled in something called the BK Biomank, and they have an accelerometer. So they've got the equivalent of a Fitbit Apple Watch that they've been wearing for seven years. Okay, They don't wear it necessarily every day, but they've got very good data. And these people are committed. And what they discovered was the higher number of steps a day, the lower the amount of dementia. And hmm. I want to talk a little bit about that in detail in a minute. But at about 10,000 steps a day, it appeared that you could ru- cut your risk of dementia by 50%. Wow. Now, if that turns out to really be the case, that is extremely important because it's showing, once again, the mind-body connection and really keeping the body going is also keeping the mind going and doing bursts of activity six or seven minutes a day we know also increases memory. And so when you see all these um, placebo pills on television that tell you take this pill your memory will be better remember it's not the pill that works it's the feet that work mm-hmm. that really make a difference now you can look at this and say well maybe people who are walking 10,000 steps a day are actually at a low risk for dementia because they're walking 10,000 steps a day there's no cause and effect in okay. other words the 10,000 steps may not be doing it mm-hmm. it might be people who actually walk 10,000 steps are less likely to be dementia Uh, to have dementia. But I think we can look a little bit further if we look at all the data overall. Exercise makes a difference in your brain, not whether or not you take a pill that you see on TV that costs or you know, or on the web that costs, you know, 40 to $60 a month. And I think that's important. Now, I've had a Fitbit before. Um, I happen to have an Apple Watch that I look at. There's a really interesting uh, Aura Smart Ring, O-U-R-A. A friend of mine came over and had it. It's uh, $299, $300, which really is expensive. You can get a Fitbit easily. You can get a, a, an activity monitor easily for about 39 bucks, Or you can go fancy, fancy, fancy and get something else. But Increase your steps, protects your brain, and I think there's a bottom line here. We get in America generally about two to three thousand steps a day. That's it. That's it. And once you drop below 1,500 steps a day, you become feeble. Mm -hmm. There's very good data on it. And the reality is the reason why Europeans do better than we do on the dementia status and the Australians is they walk more. Mm -hmm. We get in our car. If you look at McDonald's and you look at Hardee's and you look at Wendy's, they now do about 50% to two-thirds of their business from people who drive in their car to the restaurant and eat. Right. I mean, come on, folks. 
drive to the car. You don't even get out of the car because it takes a lot to walk into the restaurant to get your fast food. There's something <laughs> wrong with this picture. And they won't let you walk up through that drive-thru. You have to have a vehicle. I've tried. I've tried to walk Oh, they won't it. let you walk up I tried up to through... walk up to a Taco Bell once, and uh, they said, and... sorry, you have to have a vehicle. Like, <laughs> Come on. Can I You've walk got to here? have a vehicle. They won't give it to you unless you have a, unless you have a car. Yeah. That's funny. I had no idea. <laughs> Maybe they should have a walking lane now. <laughs> walk off so, those calories. 10,000 steps a day, that really should be your goal. Try to hit that at least 75 to 80% of the time. And you may cut your risk of heart disease, stroke, because we know that, and dementia. Interesting stuff. 800-462-7413. That's the number to call. That's 1-800-462-7413. Let's hear a voicemail now. This is a listener from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Hi there. My question is pork rinds. They're very delicious, they're good, and they're better for you than using chips, so I hear. I do like them. However, they always make me cough. They always scratch my throat a little bit. It seems I can't stop coughing after I swallow them, and I just want to know, is there something in them? Is it the oil? Is it the grease? Um, I don't have any other reactions to pork itself, or is there a certain brand I should be looking for or discontinue eating them at all? That would be my question. Thank you. Bye-bye. So that means pork rinds are a health food that they're actually better than chips. Are you? Do you, you prefer they're better rinds? than chips? Have I had pork rinds? Yeah. Yes, of course. You don't eat them regularly, of though. Of course not. Do you eat pork rinds regularly? <laughs> no, not I at don't. All. No, I, I mean, if I'm going to go for it, I probably have funions. Okay. You ever have funions? I love funions, but those yeah. are those are onions, right? They're not actual it's made out of pork. It's the same crap, no okay. matter which way you look at it. It's oil <laughs> on a skeleton of a carbohydrate or something else. Something else to do with you might. Will chew on pig's ears instead of giving it to your dog. It's really not a healthy thing. What is it in the pork rinds? It's probably one of the 45 different ingredients. Now, don't quote me. There might be 35. 45 different ingredients, which is what, by the way, is in a Twinkie. 45 different ingredients in the pork rinds. It could be the flavoring, the coloring, the seasoning, the pork rind itself. It could be anything at all. Yeah. And if you're addicted to pork rinds and you start coughing, well, you got two choices. Either eat the pork rinds and cough for 30 minutes or switch to something healthier like carrot sticks. <laughs> actually, you know what? Do you want to check how many ingredients are in a bag of pork rinds? Sure, I have one right it. here, actually, Zorba. Go. Oh, you, are you serious? I brought some pork rinds oh, to the studio. Oh, my God. You actually <laughs> brought pork rinds to check the studio? Out. All right. Okay, you want to let's see it? Yeah, I, want, I oh, definitely want Oh, my God. Look at Oh, actually, it doesn't have. It has, it has fried out pork fat. Not bad. That's okay. not bad. <laughs> With attached skin, right? Salt. Okay. A lot of salt. Paprika, dextrose, spices. It's all it says. Just we don't have any spices. spices. Yeah. Paprika, garlic powder, monosodium, glue, tomato, of course, MSG. Natural flavoring. I like it. Natural yep. flavoring. And corn oil. So it starts out with fried out pork fat oil, mm-hmm. and it ends up with corn oil. So this is your all corn oil. And this is the Iron Man. Oh, I'm sorry. Iron Door Con Carne Pork crackling, fried I, out pork fat with attached skin. Mm, I picked good. those up on the Palente. way on the way into the studio the today at, uh, at a little Mexican grocery. It's, it was, uh, it's it was, wonderful. Yeah. It's wonderful. They look really good. You want to try them? Maybe pop them open. Why not? This makes for great too. radio. Yes. Oh my god! A lot of crackling on the mics here. Oh my goodness! You know this with a little with a little beer. Oh yeah. Mm. 
They are pretty mm. good. Mm. Yeah. This uh, the flavor on I this can is have one. con chile picante. <laughs> they're, they're labeled as pork cracklings. Are they kosher? That's what I want to know. That's a good question. Are pork rinds kosher? <laughs> they do make them out of and wheat, though. Answer. There are wheat pork rinds that have no pork at all. I saw those at the store. <laughs> Never tried those. So this is the spicy version. These are pretty good. Thank you. Not bad. I like Not bad. These. Anyways, yeah. So we... are we going to have a pork rind recipe on the air? I don't think so. <laughs> pork rind chicken? Crusted chicken, maybe? Pork rind crusted kitchen. chicken. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but we do have a spicy kitchen. honey like cornflake baked chicken, and it is, is much healthier out. Than pork rinds. I need some water. Now. Yeah, I got mm. pork rind dust all over my fingers now. This is going to be tough to work the phone. 800 462 7413. That's 1 800 462 7413. But before we take a break, Zorba, we often hear from the grammar police. But wait, Brad, don't play that sting inspired jingle quite yet. Because, Zorba, on a recent show, you were questioning the use of a microwave to sterilize old sponges. Do you remember that? Well, it was a while back. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. right, right. So now we get to absorb some blowback from the sponge police. That's a lot of disgusting sounds in that one. They are disgusting sounds, but that's okay. All right. (laughs) We're teenagers at heart. This is what we do. Uh, The following email came from a listener (laughs) and sponge enthusiast named Paul. Sponge enthusiast. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who writes, like a bulldog with a pork chop, I just can't. (laughs) Like a bulldog (laughs) with a pork chop. Not a pork rind, a pork chop. (laughs) I just can't let this controversy go. There's good news in the rag versus sponge debate as there are only winners here. Neither a sponge nor a rag used in the kitchen <laughs> spreads more bacteria than the other. Okay. If one Neither simple step... Neither a sponge nor a rag. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, if, and use of the word neither. We don't use neither very much. Mm-hmm. That's you nice. Know? It's yeah. a good start. Mm-hmm. Paul goes on. you got to do this one simple step. Follow okay. this one simple okay. step. Okay. Once you're done with the dishes got and it? counter cleanup, yeah. clean and, okay. and just after the mm-hmm. final rinse of uh-huh. one's favorite cleaning choice, uh-huh. okay. place the sponge or rag mm-hmm. into the microwave mm-hmm. on high for 60 to 90 seconds. 60 to 90 seconds. It works okay. best mm-hmm. if the sponge or rag uh-huh. is left a little more moist mm-hmm. than fully wrung out. Okay. okay. Paul continues, mm-hmm. the steamy hot sponge mm-hmm. or rag will kill off any of the nasty bugs. Oh, be okay. careful on removal yeah, to course. avoid a burn. It'll be hot. Right. Works great right. and there isn't any mildew smell once it's dry either. I got to try it. We all win, gotta Paul says. It. We all That's win. Right. We all win. The sponge or the rag, we win. Well, we'll do it. That's right. The microwave loses. By the way, we win. One one for us, zero for microwave. Okay, I'll try it. <laughs> try okay, it. that's it. You're just going to try it. it works. All right. We'll, we'll you never report. know unless you try We'll report right? back on the show on that one. <laughs> do you think Zorba needs to be corrected on something he said? Well, when presented with a solid argument, he's always happy to expunge his oh, erstwhile opinion. That's right. Just <laughs> let Send us, us in an email to Zorba. At WPR.org or, of course, through Facebook. I think we're going to need a sponge to clean up the pork rind dust all over the table here. I got it. I can here. smell it on my fingers I right still now. taste it. That's I mean, right. it's a good taste, taste it. but it's, right. it's still there. That's right. And yes. All right. More of your emails coming, more yes, of your yes. calls, and we'll cook up some spicy honey cornflake baked chicken. All coming up on Zorba Pasture on Your Health from PRX. Carl Christensen filling in for Tom Clark on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. If you have a question for the show, the number to call anytime is 800 
1-800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. But before we get back to those calls, Zorba, let's talk about today's recipe. Spicy honey cornflake baked chicken. That's a mouthful right there. It's a mouthful to say, and it's a good mouthful to eat. I bet. Now, back when I was a kid, cornflakes on chicken were sort of the rage in the 50s. Really? And that's what my mom would make when she made fried chicken. She didn't go to breadcrumbs. She went to the fancy stuff, which was (laughs) cornflakes. And panko had not been invented. Well, panko undoubtedly had been invented because it was a Japanese invention, but I never heard about panko basically for years and years and years, and now it's really pretty much mainstream. But cornflakes are really a very interesting taste. And if you look back, Kellogg, who invented the cornflake, thought it was a health food. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought it was health food. Now, now why, why it was health food, I have no idea. But he thought the cornflakes were a health food, and he had a spa. We won't talk about his spa because he did strange things in his spa. But I feel like on a past show we heard about his spa. We have. We have. But he, but he Look basically back in the archives for put cornflakes, yeah. which is not really the healthiest thing in the world. I mean, there's Mucilex, which is, which is a, a Swiss thing. And, of course, you can have granola. But cornflakes on chicken, got to try it if you've never tried it. Let's Let's do the recipe. All right. Start out with six cups of cornflakes. Six cups cornflakes. Now, you can add cornflakes. You can pulse it in your food processor to make it into a fried crumb. Or you can do what I do if I make this recipe. You can buy a box of cornflakes that are basically next to the breadcrumbs. Pre-crushed. Pre-crushed. Don't have to go through the whole process. I like simple. Now we've got the spices that are going to go in. Teaspoon of paprika. One little tea paprika. Half teaspoon of onion powder. Half little tea onion powder. Half teaspoon of garlic powder. Half little tea garlic powder. Half teaspoon of freshly ground black pepper. Do not use the pre-ground in the can. It's not as good. Half little tea freshly ground black pepper. That's right. Half teaspoon of salt. Kosher salt if you have it. Much better. Half little tea salt. Now, two large eggs. Two large eggs. Two tablespoonfuls of milk, almond milk, regular milk, goat milk, sheep milk. Soy milk, whatever kind of milk product you want to have. Two big tea, milk of choice. And by the way, there's an argument of whether or not anything other than cow's milk should be called milk. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a real argument right now in the feds whether or not it has to be relabeled as something else. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Now, one and a half to two pounds of boneless, skinless chicken thighs. You could use boneless, skinless chicken breast, but frankly, chicken thighs taste better, and I've moved more towards chicken thighs. One and a half to two pounds, boneless, skinless chicken thighs. Half cup of honey. Half a cup of honey. Where do you get your honey? I used to get honey from our backyard because my wife kept bees before we had kids. Your wife kept bees before you had yeah, kids? Yeah, we had like 100,000 really? bees in our backyard no about kidding. 10 years ago or no so. No kidding. How did she get into that? Her gram- her grandpa was into it, and he uh-huh. would actually use bees to help his arthritis. He would get stung on his hands, and it was the only thing that helped and his arthritis. And helped his arthritis. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, his, so her grandfather taught her how to how to basically a beekeeper. I can't remember. There's a term. Yeah. There's a term for beekeepers Is that I can't a, remember. A, Apiary. Apiary. Yeah. That's exactly what yeah. it was. He taught and her. Then, and then she taught you. 
I didn't ever learn any of it. <laughs> oh, you never learned any of it. <laughs> no. So you can, I watched her do it all the time. But you're really not going to cool. have it with your kids. I mean, I, we were waiting for our kids to get a little older so they didn't get curious and yeah. you know right. buzz around the yeah. bee boxes. Yeah. But um, yeah, we we haven't gotten back to them oh, yet. Wonderful. She still has all the bee boxes and everything ready oh, to go wonderful. once the kids wonderful. are old enough. I think well, we'll, honey, the honey, honey was great. the best because yeah. it actually was the only thing that helped seasonal allergies for me because oh, wow. there's so much pollen oh, wow. and stuff in that honey that it oh. kind of desensitizes. Oh, it sounds like a great idea. So it was great. Half a cup. Half a cup of honey. From your backyard. (laughs) And three teaspoons of your favorite hot sauce. Three little tea, favorite hot sauce. Let's make it. All right. Start out, preheat the oven to 400 degrees. Then take your crushed cornflakes, either in a food processor that you pulse it or better than that, just in a box. In a medium bowl, whisk in the paprika, onion powder, garlic powder, black pepper, and salt till it's well combined. Then in a separate bowl, whisk together the eggs and the milk, almond milk if you have it, or regular milk, set it aside. Then line a large baking sheet with an oven-safe wire metal rack. So you're putting a rack on the baking sheet. Spray it with nonstick cooking spray so you don't have a lot of cleanup at the end. Or you could put parchment paper under that too. Then dip each chicken thigh into the egg mixture. Use a tong. Grab the thigh. Generously put it into the corn mixture, the corn crumb mixture. Bread it with the corn crumbs. Use the tongs. Transfer it to the wire rack. Generously spray the tops of the chicken thighs with nonstick spray because that's going to give it a nice coating. Bake it for 20 to 25 minutes till it's cooked through till the temperature reaches 165 degrees. And then right before serving, make the hot honey. Add honey and hot sauce to a small bowl, microwave so it's really hot for 10 to 15 seconds, taste it a bit, drizzle it over the chicken, and bon appetit. Mm. It is a wonderful, delicious dish, and if you like chicken like I like chicken, oh, oh, you will like this dish. That sounds fantastic. Absolutely. And you know what? You can get this dish on the web, well, not the dish, but you can get the recipe on the web (laughs) at zorbapastor.org. That's zorbapastor.org, or of course, through Facebook. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. Call anytime. Let's go back to those phone calls now. This is a listener in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Hi. Hi. How can we help? No. Here's the thing. I I have, uh, I really like my coffee in the morning, and I used to drink probably five, possibly six cups in the morning. Oh, it's a lot of coffee. Yeah, and then I also got a sciatic nerve problem, uh-huh. so I'd have to, after breakfast, I'd have to get off my feet and go in my recliner, and then I'd read a little, and my hands would cramp up so bad, and in the past couple of weeks now, I've kind of laid off the coffee uh, somewhat, mm-hmm. I'm down to probably three cups a uh, morning, mm-hmm. and uh, I... Uh, it seems to be better, and I and I had another incident where I had cramps real bad. I we went down uh, with another couple to the Indy 500, mm-hmm. and I drank uh, quite a bit of coffee at breakfast. Mm-hmm. And uh, I uh, we were down there with my motorhome, a 42 foot motorhome with a trailer behind it, made it 65 feet long. <laughs> and, uh, that's 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 a long. That were you a truck driver in a former life? No, I was an operating engineer, but I drove plenty of trucks too. Got it, got day. it. So the, so driving that 65-foot rig did not bother you at all. Not at all. <laughs> but I here's the thing, the other couple that was with us is this is a young friend of ours mm-hmm. and his wife and I I uh I said Andy, you got to take over and he uh 
Oh, he was real skeptical, but I just said, I'll talk you through it. <laughs> and uh, uh, so he drove all the way from just about just north of India a little ways to, back to Brookfield here and did a good job. Oh, and because you could not fun. drive because of your but, hands. But I, was that it? Yeah, I, I, I blamed it on the coffee. Of course, we had some sure. friends over at the motorhome that night, and we mm-hmm. had a few libations. I don't know if that was a factor or not, but, but Maybe. Uh, at any rate, my hands would cramp up so bad. But like I said, the last sure. couple of weeks, I've been sure. laying off the coffee a little mm-hmm. bit, and it's better. Mm-hmm. Do you have any connection? Well, um, I got, I've got a couple questions for you. So uh, do your hands, uh, do they cramp up morning, evening, night? Is there certain times morning. they tend to cramp? Mm-hmm. And how morning. long does it take before they uncramp themselves? Well, not long. Not long if I just relax. I put the book down and I just uh, mm-hmm. relax and stretch out my fingers and everything. And stretch out your fingers. Don't use them. Got it. So stretch out your fingers. You hit a very important point. So first of all, I'm not sure exactly why they're cramping, but usually it's related to arthritis, to, you know, these are common things that happen when you're older. They cramp. We've got pain. We have discomfort. Our hands may cramp. All of a sudden, there are things that are going on there. My recommendation is that you do some hand exercises. If you go to YouTube, you know, go up to YouTube and you put Bob and Brad hand exercises, or Bob and Brad wrist exercises. These are two physical therapists from Wisconsin. They're Wisconsin boys. They do a great job of explaining exercises. And anything that you're doing uh, in terms of exercise, wrist pain, carpal tunnel pain, hand pain, any one of those will be a set of exercises that if you do morning and evening, just five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening, I bet you can cut those cramps down to 50% less or 90% less. You've got to do some exercises there that makes a difference. Now, whether or not it's the amount of coffee, hard to say, hard to say. One way to find out is cut out the coffee, the caffeine in the coffee completely for three to five days or a week, see what happens. I don't think the coffee is the issue. It may be a minor issue, but I think the major player you can get done with exercising those hands and those wrists. Oh, very good. I sure appreciate the information, and uh, I certainly thank you for your show. It's uh, You have a great staff with you, and uh, it's uh, very refreshing. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You you have a great day, and thank you. We'll have you, we'll okay. have you on again sometime. Thank you, Doc. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for that call at 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. Let's get to some voicemails here. We actually have a voicemail double shot. These are both double voicemails shots. from Oklahoma. Is that because we talked about coffee? Double shot? <laughs> right. Actually, it wasn't. That's I wasn't right. even no, thinking that. No, I think it was. Your mind works in strange <laughs> yes, ways. Yes, it was. That. Yep, yep, right. You got me there. Uh, this is two voicemails from Oklahoma. We're going to hear them back to back. Yes, hi. I'd like you to state uh, the facts about statins, the uh, harmful side effects, short-term and long-term, and the alternatives to statins for high cholesterol, including diet, exercise, all of the above, and the safest statin if you really have to take them. Thank you so much. Hi, Zorba. I understand pineapple and statins are not good for you. Have a wonderful day. Bye now. 
Do you want to start with the pineapple one first? Well, it's uh, it has to do with the absorption of the statin with grape ju- with uh, grapefruit juice. It's oh, not pineapple. It's, not pi- okay. it's grapefruit juice. So having large doses of grapefruit juice really doesn't work, and so that was that's an issue, and that's been around for a couple of decades. So it's grapefruit juice, not pineapples. You can have pineapples and statins. Um, I think statins are good drugs. I think they're very worthwhile. They don't just reduce cholesterol; they also stabilize the plaques that are in our arteries. Are there side effects? Well, there may be. There's some questions about whether or not statins put you at risk for diabetes. That's a question that's out there. Not exactly there, but if you weigh their benefit versus their risk, uh, I think their benefit is much more. And we put people who are on, who are pre-diabetic on statins all the time. Um, are there alternatives? Sure. The best alternative is diet and exercise. Does it work all the time? Absolutely not. You have a strong fifth, you know, strong family history of a statin, and genetically, you have a high LDL cholesterol in the 180 range, 200 range, you can eat cardboard and nothing but cardboard, and you may not affect your cholesterol, but cholesterol is just a marker. It's not just a high cholesterol is doing something. It's a marker for other things going on. So I think if if uh, your doctor recommends a statin, the question, one, question is, is one better than another? Not really. They work differently. Some people don't tolerate one statin. They'll tolerate another statin. For some people, if they don't tolerate it, they get muscle aches. If you take it every other day in a low dose, they can tolerate that. But this is one of those things where you sit down with your healthcare provider and you say, well, look, I've read about these four or five things that are negative about statins, and then you think they're positive. Why don't you let me know? And then you make the decision. You know, we're all in the driver's seat about our health. That's important. It's not my doctor says I should do this, so I have to do this. It may be your doctor says you should do this, and I decided I will do this or I want to do it. It's, I think that's so important. And that's not the way medicine used to be. I mean, when my mom was around us, you know, she would say, well, I don't know what it is. The doctor said I should do it, so I'm doing it. Uh-uh. The informed consumer is the best consumer. And that's why we do the show. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, before we take a short break, Zorba, let's check in with your favorite hair splitters. Oh, no, no. Here they come. This is for real now. This is the the grammar grammar police. police. Yep. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. It's the grammar. Oh, no. Here we go again. Here we go. Punctuation? Punctuation? uh, Oh, you're already trying to get ahead of it. I like that. (laughs) Actually, Zorba, we're going to hear from a new faction within the grammar police ranks. They're always always breaking off and joining together. I know. So many. (laughs) It's really. So many people. There's a lot. That's right. So little time. So many people. There's a whole bureaucracy going on within the grammar police. That's right. This is actually It's hidden. Yes. It's the hidden state. Yeah. Yeah. They're behind the wall. (laughs) Behind every colon is the grammar by the grammar police. <laughs> That's their slogan behind every colon. I don't know what or that means. Or be, no, you don't. That's the whole point. The you point. don't even know what by it design. means. That's right. I like that. Actually, this is from <coughs> the geography police. Okay. okay. Uh, the following infraction came from Colin in DeForest, Wisconsin. <laughs> Colin writes, Dear Zorba, on a recent episode, you shared a recipe for Welsh rarebit. Remember yes. that? That was yeah, a good I do. one. I do. And you described it as coming from, quote, the Welsh part of England. Yes. You, you oh, know where you're going, where yes, they're going. I got it. Colin's going here. I got it. Sorry, go ahead. I wanted go ahead. to reach out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Colin go says, ahead. I wanted to reach out and give you the chance. He's That's giving right. you a chance. Yes. Wales. Like a, like a Wales. Good police officer. Wales. I'm going to give you the right. chance That's to correct right. yourself That's here. That's right. That's you have right. to correct this. And I don't get a ticket. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> okay, Colin says, <laughs> want to give you the chance to correct this serious geographic error before you start getting hate mail from your listeners in Wales. That's right. Which That's is, right. in fact, a That's separate right. country yes, from England. Yes, it is. It's part of the UK. I'm wrong. I got it. So you can continue or? The UK is the combination of England, Wales, and Scotland. (laughs) My bad. My bad. Oh, no, this is a spoiler alert for the rest of the email here. I mean, I'll finish with Colin. He wrote a very nice email. Yeah, you know, I followed the royals. I've got to follow what the UK is. And Northern Ireland. Sorry. Colin I'm going to get a call from Northern Ireland, too. (laughs) Colin says, Wales is one of the four nations that make up the United Kingdom. That's right. The other three being Scotland, Northern Ireland, and England. That's right. Wales is part Part of the UK, but it is not part of England. No, the never. They would Wales, never say they're part of England. The people of Wales are known for being very proud of their separate identity from the English and would be greatly offended yes. to hear their country referred to yeah. as part of England. I thought I would let you know so you can apologize to the country of Wales before they can mobilize right. against I, you. I apologize. Ooh. And God save the king. <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> That's it? That's I'm not the... going to sing it. Okay, it's fine. I was hoping you it. would. Yeah. I'm not going to sing. If I had my Casio keyboard here, we could <laughs> we could pull that off. That'd be great. Did Zorba make a boo-boo on the show? Well, this is your chance to harpoon him and save the whales. <laughs> I don't even know if that works. <laughs> Set him straight by posting on our Facebook page. It's a different spelling. The spelling <laughs> police are coming in. Zorba at WPR.org. Or don't forget, you can find us. On Facebook. We have more of your calls to come, another interesting topic to discuss, and more of your emails, all coming up on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX, the public radio exchange. Carl Christensen filling in for Tom Clark on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. The number to call anytime with the phone question for Dr. Zorba is 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. Three. But Zorba, before we get back to those calls, we got some new information out of the World Health Organization about artificial sweeteners. Let's talk about artificial sweeteners kind of from the beginning. So the first artificial sweetener we had was saccharin. Okay? Mm-hmm. Saccharin's been around forever. If, you, if you've never tasted it, you could taste it. Those are the little tiny kind of white things. They used to have a little thing. It would be you go to a restaurant, there'd be out little sac- – you've never seen this. I'm I remember this as a small kid. Was it a little – it would dab a little drop It of- would either be a drop. I out of a bottle, thing. it was liquid saccharin, or it'd be a little chip that kind of looked uh, almost like salt. It was saccharin. They found it caused cancer in laboratory animals, took it off the market. There was a hue and cry. People said, we want it back. Mm. It's back. I believe it's in sweet and low. It was at least last time I looked. Then you had cyclamates. Cyclamates were like... A- God's gift to man. They were all around. They were sweet and great. Then the FDA did some research. We're talking back in the 60s and 70s. Once again, busted out because it caused cancer mm. in laboratory animals. Then you had NutraSweet. NutraSweet are two amino acids together. Lots of research does not cause cancer in laboratory animals. Can't take it if you have phenylketonuria. Didn't bust out. Commonly used sweetener all over. The- then you had sucralose, which is, which is around. Now you have stevia, mm-hmm. right? You have stevia. So you have all these things. And what we've done is we've, uh, we've seen that the more diet drinks we eat, which is where most of this is in, the fatter we have become as a society. So they have not been shown to keep the weight loss at all. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Diet Coke stopped being called, well, they still have Diet Coke, but then they called it Coke Zero because a lot of people don't want to diet. They mm-hmm. just want to have a zero calorie thing. But it turns out probably when you drink 
drinks with artificial sweetener, it may actually stimulate your appetite to get more calories somewhere else. That's not what this study is about. (laughs) Not at all. This study is about the fact that it may actually cause major problems. WHO has now recommended that we skip sugar substitutes because of new guidance. And it really has to do with some research that was looking at low-carb products, low-cal products, keto products that have something called erythritol, E-R-Y-T-H-R-I-T-O-L. And I'm spelling it because when I read the study, I thought, what's erythritol? I mean, I know what stevia is, but it turns out, wait a minute, you've got a low-calorie bubbler kind of drink. Read what's in there. Uh, yes, I'm drinking like a caffeinated, carbonated drink here. And what does it say? Read this side. Tell me what's in it. The, the whole for, thing. The first ingredient is carbonated water. That's okay. good. Okay. Second ingredient, erythritol. Erythritol. Second yeah. ingredient, so erythritol. Yeah. Yep. So erythritol is not good for you. Researchers at Cleveland Clinic looked at 4,000 people in the U.S. And, uh, and Europe and found out they had higher when they had higher blood erythritol levels, they had major side effects that may have led to things such as stroke and heart attacks. Hmm. So maybe it may actually be bad for you. The beverage industry says, no, the scientific sweetener has really been shown to be safe, but global regulatory levels has said it. But the WHO now says, we don't think it's safe. We think it's actually causing type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, strokes, and heart attacks. So what are you going to do? You know, I mean, what are you going to do? We eat an enormous amount of carbonated beverages. Mm-hmm. I think you got to read the labels. You really want to pay attention to your body. You've got to read the labels. And the answer is if it's got anything artificial in there, like erythritol, if it's got stevia, I don't care if it's got stevia, I don't care if it's got NutraSweet, I don't care what it has in it, you've got to think, do I want to take this risk? It's okay. We take risks in our society. Make your decision, but just don't be blindsided if you find out this particular sweetener is responsible for bad health later on. 800-462-7413. That's the number to call anytime. Leave a question for the good doc at 800-462-7413. Let's get back to those phones now. Let's hear from a listener in Marquette, Michigan. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. I've loved your show for many years. Oh, thank you. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for talking to me. Actually, it is about my adult son. It's about a very delicate subject, I think, and maybe controversial. Um, He is 32, and he has been a marijuana user for at least a decade. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not really wanting to get into the judgment of marijuana, yes or no. I know Some people are very against it and so on. Um, I'm not opposed to occasional use or certainly medicinal reasons, but I am wondering if my son's current state of health is connected to his marijuana usage being so long-term. Yeah, what's going on with him? Well, we see him. He lives in a state far from us. Mm -hmm. Um, Where does he live? He lives in Colorado. He moved there in 2015 Mm -hmm. and... It was legal recreationally, as you know. Right. And he, we see him two or three times a year mm-hmm. for a family visit. And sure. every single time, there's at least one day where he is just down and out. And it oh, seems like he uh-huh. has chronic mm-hmm. unhealthiness. Mm-hmm. He has frequent 
stomach aches, nausea, headache, mm-hmm. and um, frequent bowel movements, mm-hmm. um, diarrhea. And um, someone said to me, someone else in our family circle, that there is such a thing where you can have a sickness, and I hope I can pronounce it, cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. Right. And I uh-huh. thought, cannabinoid oh, hyperemesis syndrome. Correct. Yeah. Hey, you did and a pretty thought, good job of pronouncing it. <laughs> you did it. I thought maybe it could apply, but when I was reading about it on... Well, it might apply. Google, it might, you know, it I might, know. It, it, it might apply. And, it, you know, it's your son, so you're going to, you're going to be concerned. And, you know, chronic marijuana use is becoming more common. It was, it's actually been common all along. It's just increased now that you can buy it and, you know, get it on a regular basis. Uh, and there are side effects. You know, every drug has a side effect. I mean, alcohol is a side effect. Tylenol has a side effect. You drink too much water, that can have a side effect. So the reality is he could have hyperemesis cannabinoid syndrome, or something else. You know, we don't study it because the feds in their infinite stupidity label marijuana in the same class as they label heroin and do not put OxyContin in the same class. That, in other words, they say OxyContin is safer based on their labeling than marijuana, which we know is not the case. So uh, I always, I never lose a chance because got to do something about this, and then we'll get more research. So researchers cannot do research on marijuana without jumping through a whole bunch of hoops. So the answer is we really don't know how it's affecting your son. And if it affects him a lot, what, is it, what does he do for a living? Oh, that's interesting um, because I feel like his health made it difficult for him to maintain jobs. Sure. He went from one job to mm-hmm. another, and now he has had one for a couple of years where they're very flexible, they're very happy to have him. What kind of a job? He works in a warehouse. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he works yeah. in a warehouse. So he's got a warehouse-type job that he works at, and they're flexible with that. But, I mean, the reality is you should have a good-faith conversation and say, hey, talk to this doc on the radio. Maybe your GI problems are from it. Have you thought about tapering off and going drug-free for a few weeks and see if your gut is better? And a lot of yeah. people... You know, they're constantly inebriated on marijuana. Some people function very well with inebriation. You look at Winston Churchill, who had alcohol in his system at all times, and he won World War II against the Germans. I mean, the reality is he was a pretty wow. smart guy, and he <laughs> drank from morning until evening. He he was the lush, and other people are affected adversely. Right. That's what I'd like to do. I'd like to suggest to my son. Of hey, course. I know he uses marijuana daily. He has shared that with me, but I don't want this to backfire. I don't want him to close down. Well, that's what you, you know, you know something, you do that like a mom. You say, look, I don't want this to backfire. I'm not judging you, but I wonder if this is part of it. Why don't we have a conversation? Mm -hmm. He may say, ah, mom, I don't want to talk about it. Well, there's your answer. Yeah. There's your oh, answer. You or, so I, I mean, you know, you you certainly can bring it up. It's a question of how judgmental you are, and that's usually the issue. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your words of wisdom and your advice. <laughs> You're most welcome. Thanks for that call at 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, let's go to a voicemail now. This is a listener in El Paso, Texas. My question is, is there something that I can take so that I can have yeast and bread and fermented foods 
my ENT told me that was what was causing my nearly constant ear infections. And I noticed that when I eat breads and drink wine, etc., I do, I do get itchy ears. I get itchy everywhere. So anyway, thanks. Well, there's something you can actually try. So I would recommend you try taking two things. First of all, take a non-sedating antihistamine. If you want to have a glass of wine, take Zyrtec, either one or two tablets. Start out with one tablet. If that doesn't work, go to two tablets. And take Famotidine, which is an H2 blocker. It blocks, uh, basically, Famotidine is for your gut, for your stomach, but it also has antihistamine-type behavior. It's a different uh, receptor in there. And sometimes for people who have either a yeast irritation, you know, they've got a reaction to yeast or a reaction to alcohol, that can make a difference. So 20 milligrams of famotidine and 10 to 20 milligrams of Zyrtec. See whether or not that works. It might, and if it does, let us know. 800-462-7413. That's the number to call anytime. Leave a message for the good doc at 800-462-7413. Before we call it a day, Zorba, we love it when our lovely listeners chime in with a healthy living tip for the show. The following email came from a listener named Teresa, who writes, Hi, I had serious acid reflux. I loved coffee Mm -hmm. and found I could drink black coffee that I stirred with a cinnamon stick. I let it soak in the coffee for about four minutes, and it cut the reflux by a lot. Eventually, I had... I'm going to try to pronounce this. Nissen fundoplication. Yeah, a Nissen fundoplication. That's right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Good job. Had, thank you. Medical school is in your cards. <laughs> yeah, That's right. right. No, it's not. I had Nissen fundoplication <laughs> and no longer have the severe reflux. Uh-huh. Well, the Nissen fundoplication is really for severe reflux. I mean, that's that's one of the one of the things that you use surgically. There are other surgical procedures too that can help with GERD that is not helped by medication. So glad it's helping. And it's interesting about the cinnamon stick. I think it's something that our listeners will love to hear about. I've never heard of that one before. And uh, here's another related coffee tip. This one came via a voicemail from a listener in Minnesota. The person who called in querying about coffee and it making her feel unwell, has she tried drinking cold brew coffee, which is very, very, very low acid coffee? That's all I wanted to say. Thanks loads. Bye. I, you know, I have never thought about that. I didn't know that. I love cold brew. The I answer is that. cold brew is different. It's done in a different way. And there are lots of, of, of things. There. Coffee is a very complex beverage. And there are lots of things within coffee. And the cold brew may actually work better for some people than the hot brew. That makes a lot of sense. Worth trying. Have you ever had nitro cold brew? I have. I like it. Pretty good. I like the the taste of it. Yeah, Yeah, I like the taste of it. Do you have a helpful tip for the show? We love coffee tips always. Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. See you next week, Zorba. Stay well. <laughs> if you missed anything during the show or you just want to stream the show online anytime, visit us on the web at sorbapasture.org and of course through Facebook. And don't forget, you can call anytime, 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 anytime. <laughs> Is that one too many? That's enough. Leave, a, <laughs> leave us your question at 800 462 7413. Zorba Pastor on Your Health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. It is not intended as a medical diagnosis, so please do check with your doc. 
Our executive producer is me, Carl Christensen. Our technical director is Brad Kohlberg. Our theme, yeah. Our theme music is by Leo and Ben Sidron. That, that went down. <laughs> For Zorba Pastor, I'm Carl Christensen asking you to join us on the next Zorba, Zorba Pastor, Pastor on Your Health.